This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Tuesday, June 16th, 2020. On this day in 1944, 14-year-old George Stinney became the youngest American to be executed in the 20th century. But he may have been killed for a crime he didn't even commit. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the execution of George Stinney. Let's go back to South Carolina on June 16, 1944. When the prison guards came to take George Stinney to the electric chair, they didn't need to worry about the prisoner putting up any resistance. But it wasn't because he was resigned to his fate. It was because he was too small to fight back. Standing at only five feet and one inch, the 14-year-old weighed a mere 95 pounds. He hardly looked the part of a murderer. But he had confessed to killing two little girls, and now he was going to pay for his crimes. Except he may not have actually killed them. 84 days earlier, the bodies of 7-year-old Mary Emma Thames and 11-year-old Betty June Binnaker were discovered in a shallow ditch in the woods outside of Alkaloo, South Carolina. Aside from the girls' young ages, their deaths caused a stir because they were white and their bodies were found in the so-called black side of town. Upon investigation, the police learned that George Stinney was one of the last people to see the girls alive. They were looking for wildflowers, and George told the girls where to find them. It's not entirely clear, but that seems to be the only reason Stinney fell under suspicion. He was taken in for questioning, where the police grilled him without a lawyer present. At the time, the right to counsel throughout an entire criminal process hadn't been established, so the police decided to talk to the frightened boy completely alone. His parents weren't even there. Under interrogation, Stinney admitted he murdered the two girls. Apparently, he even showed the police the piece of metal he used to strike the killing blows. It was resting just a few feet away from their discarded bicycles. The trial barely lasted two hours. The only evidence the prosecution provided was Stinney's confession. The boy's court-appointed lawyer didn't call any witnesses for the defense. As someone with political ambitions, it's possible the attorney was more concerned with his reputation with voters than in determining his client's guilt or innocence. The public certainly saw him as guilty. And so did the jury. 
It took all of 10 minutes to convict Stinney. In 1944, the threshold for criminal responsibility was 14 years old, which meant Stinney could receive the death sentence, and the judge didn't hesitate to give it to him. There was no appeal. The execution date was set. As Stinney was marched to the execution chamber, the teenager gripped a holy Bible in his hands. But the book that was meant to lead to his salvation was about to help contribute to his execution. When Stinney sat down in the electric chair, he was too short to reach the arm straps and headpiece. In a cruel twist of irony, he had to sit on his Bible to reach them. Stinney was so small, when the first shocks coursed through his body, the mask affixed to his face slipped off. Still very much alive, tears streamed from his eyes. He was subjected to another two rounds of electrocution before he died. Following his death, Stinney's family maintained that he was innocent. However, there was little recourse they could take to give him posthumous justice. But they refused to give up, and 70 years after his death, George Stinney got the fair legal process he deserved. Coming up, Stinney's case goes back to trial. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On June 16, 1944, 14-year-old George Stinney became the youngest American to be executed in the 20th century. Although Stinney confessed to the murder, his admission came under questionable circumstances, and the prosecutors in his case didn't present any evidence to corroborate what Stinney told him. At the time, there weren't many avenues to redeem Stinney's name. As the years went by, his story faded into obscurity. But 60 years after Stinney's execution, his case finally got the attention it deserved. In 2004, historian George Frierson read a brief article on Stinney in his local newspaper. The story grabbed his attention, and Frierson decided to dig a little deeper. The more he read, the more Frierson was convinced in Stinney's innocence. On top of the dubious judicious process, he keyed in on the fact that there wasn't much blood at the supposed crime scene. In Frierson's mind, that meant the girls' bodies had probably been moved and dumped in the ditch where they were discovered. For 95-pound Stinney, that would have been a difficult task. As for the officer who said Stinney showed him the iron pipe that was supposedly a murder weapon, there was no record of that ever happening or of Stinney's actual confession. Frierson also got in touch with Stinney's former cellmate, Wilford Hunter. Hunter told Frierson that Stinney claimed he was innocent, which was strange considering his apparent confession. 
new details continued to emerge. At the time of Stinney's death, his family hadn't defended him because they feared for their lives. In a sworn statement, Stinney's brother Charles wrote, George's conviction and execution was something my family believed could happen to any of us in the family. Therefore, we made a decision for the safety of the family to leave it be. But now they were ready to set the record straight. Stinney's sister, Amy, claimed Stinney was with her during the time the two girls were killed. Although the alibi was impossible to confirm, so was Stinney's confession. If Amy had been able to speak during the trial, the outcome could have been different. And although it was too late to save George Stinney's life, it wasn't too late to clear his name. Thanks to Frierson's efforts, Stinney's story gained newfound publicity. In 2013, attorneys Steve McKenzie and Matt Burgess took on his case and filed papers to have it retried. In January 2014, they got their wish. During a two-day hearing, both sides were able to bring witnesses and present evidence. Both of Stinney's siblings testified as did his cellmate, Wilford Hunter. Judge Carmen Tevis Mullen made her decision on December 17, 2014, after nearly a year of deliberation. She vacated George Stinney's conviction. Ultimately, she made her decision because Stinney wasn't provided adequate due process of law in his original trial. She also felt that executing the young man via electric chair fell under cruel and unusual punishment. It may have been 70 years in the making, but George Stinney finally got the justice he deserved. If only it had come in time to save his life. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories of landmark cases and exciting courtroom action, check out the ParCast original, Not Guilty. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Alex Benedon, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. 